Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. It'll be about 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, education, all done without any manipulation. Because we're not here to con you, we're not here to trick you, we're not here to hustle you. We are simply here to give you accurate information. My prayer is this information will help you orient and adjust to the plan of God. I hope I can validate that. I hope I can show you how God's plan works for your life. And given the freedom and the privacy that you have, you can make your own mind up. You can do that. You can adjust. You can use your your volition to make your own decisions. God did not make you into a little automaton. He gave you freedom of choice, free will, or the word we use called volition. And you use your volition to make a decision. You know, this is Sunday morning, wherever you are. This show only plays on Sunday across the United States and various marketplaces. And wherever you may be listening, I know it's Sunday morning. I'm not sure what time we're playing in your market, but uh, there we are. A lot of people are getting ready to go to church. Some people are probably in church. And some people will leave today with the Sunday morning blues. You know, there's always that crowd. I'm being facetious, I guess, but I call it the nod to God crowd. You know, it's Sunday and it's time to go to church. Go through the ritual where there is no reality actually to it. And then when you leave, you have the Sunday morning blues that can only be uh, mm, soothed by heading over to lunch. A lot of people will have lunch with their family on Sunday. A lot of people go out to eat, big tradition in the deep south of going out to eat on Sunday afternoon after church. That's understandable. But what we want to talk about today is not tradition. We want to talk about how Jesus Christ was confronted with organized religion and the tradition of organized religion and how he stood against that. By the way, I want to tell you these things because my pastor taught them recently. I was encouraged by what he taught, and it always motivates me when I hear him teach. But sometimes it'll give me ideas that I'd like to share with you on the radio show. And that's exactly what happened. That's where this message came from. As I was studying under his teaching, then I said, you know, this is something that people that listen to the flock line probably would enjoy hearing. So the first thought that I want to give you this morning here on the flat line is that ritual without reality is meaningless. Ritual without reality is meaningless. I'm going to go now to the book of Mark. This is where my pastor was teaching us in the book of Mark. And I'm going to read to you what's taking place in the first few verses. To set the stage for you, our Lord has been doing many wonderful miracles, and he has obviously been rejected as the Son of God. He is being scrutinized by the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the legalists who head up the organized religion of the day. And uh, they have now sent a delegation from Jerusalem to check him out. They're trying to find some way to discredit him. There are too many people 
beginning to follow along with him, and, and if that happens, they could, in fact, lose their hold over the people. And that's what organized religion wants, power. Organized religion has power, and they have a hold over people, and they will use God to control people. So listen to what happened. Then came together, Mark 7, verse 1, then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes who came from Jerusalem. And uh, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. Now here's the first thing you have to understand about religion. Religion will always find fault, some reason to condemn you, some reason to criticize you, some reason to chain you up so that in, in, in their terms, you should never have any fun. If you're a Christian, you should never have fun. So they found fault. They found fault. What, what was the problem? The disciples were eating without washing their hands. And then go to verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, they don't eat, holding to the tradition of the elders. So the fault that they found was related to the tradition of the elders. You with me? And when they come from the marketplace, except they wash, they do not eat. And many other things there are which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups, the washing of pots and bronze vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why walk not your disciples according to the traditions of the elders? But they eat bread with unwashed hands. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you, you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but with their heart they are far from me. However in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men and laying aside the commandments of God. You hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things as you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandments of God so that you can keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whosoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or his mother, it is korban, that is to say, a gift by whatever thou mightest be profited by me, then he shall be free, that's free from having to care for them. And you permit him no more to do anything for his father or for his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have delivered in many such things as you do. So here is the problem. The problem is these Jews put the traditions of men over the mandates of God. Their traditions of men over the mandates of God. These oral traditions were not written down yet. Later they would be, but what happened is they took the Ten Commandments of Moses, and the scribes and the Pharisees would add to these commandments traditions. 
And each tradition would be passed down from each generation to each generation so that now, instead of the Ten Commandments, you may have 400 commandments. And the religious police were always on the lookout for anyone who might be violating any of these traditions, except themselves, of course. So here's a principle. Organized religion always places unrealistic demands on people, especially people who have an unrealistic self-image. That's what religion will do for you. It will give you an unrealistic self-image. These people thought they were godly. These people thought they were next to God himself. Because they washed their hands, they washed their pots, they washed their tables before they ate. Because they followed the traditions of the elders. They felt they had a right to criticize Christ by attacking his disciples. This is what religion does. Make a note of this. Religion feeds arrogance. But remember, Christianity is not religion. Christianity is not religion. It's a personal relationship with the God of this universe through Jesus Christ, his anointed son. That's the amazing thing about this. Christianity is not a set of rules, not a set of rituals. It's not a lifestyle of legalism where you earn the approbation of God because you observe certain traditions of men. There's only one way. There is only one way to come before God and have a relationship with God. According to the Bible in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Either he's a liar or a lunatic, or maybe that's actually true. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul wrote these words. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and it is Christ Jesus. So the only way to get to God is not by human religious works, but by faith alone in Christ alone. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews said, Therefore he himself is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. If you'd like to have a relationship with God, it is not about keeping a religious tradition in order to be saved. It's simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, through your faith, you can become a brand new person. Through your faith. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. You know, I don't know where you are right now, and I don't know what you're doing, but if I told you that in two minutes you could have a completely brand new life, would that interest you? You see, if you look back at all the mistakes and all the failures and all the frustration 
and you say, how could I get it to go away? You remember the old days in school when they used to clean the chalkboard? And the chalkboard was all white and dusty with chalk dust, and the teacher would pick some brainiac kid and give him a opportunity to go down to the restroom and get some wet paper towels and come up and clean the chalkboard. That's the illustration I want you to see today. God can clean you today. You can have a brand new life today. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away, and all things become new. Yes, by faith in Jesus Christ, God's anointed Son, you can be, as the Bible says, and it's a term that people try to belittle today, but you can be born again. No, not, not physically. No, you're still going to be the same person physically. But internally, you will have a new life in Christ. All of your sin has been blotted out and paid for. And you have a new relationship with God. You start afresh and you start new. And then anytime you mess up in the future, then we use the rebound technique. Rebound is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Yes, the chalkboard can get dirty again. Yes, you can sin again. Just because you're saved and a Christian doesn't mean you will never sin again. We all have a sinful nature. And we keep this nature until we go to heaven and get a resurrection body. But now that I'm a Christian, now that I know Jesus Christ as my Savior, anytime I sin, I simply go to him and admit it. And he's faithful and just to forgive me. And that's available to you today. This is grace in action. It's not religion. You see, in organized religion, the problem always is this. Am I really saved? They ask. Have I done enough to go to heaven? They ask. Can I really know for sure? They ask. Well, the Bible says you can know for sure. I wouldn't mislead you about this. The Bible says in 1 John 5:11, this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. How can you know it? Well, here's what it says. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. The Bible says, To as many as received him, to them God gave the right to become his children, even to them that just believe in his name. What does it mean to become a Christian? to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What was the problem that these Pharisees and Sadducees were having? They didn't believe in him. They did not believe he was the Messiah. They did not believe he was the anointed Son of God. They even called him... Uh, Beelzebub, which is a demon of Satan. They hated him. They hated everything he stood for.
because he did not live according to the traditions of men. Notice the arrogance of these scribes. In Mark 7, verse 1 and 2, Then came the Pharisees and certain scribes from Jerusalem, and they saw the disciples eat bread without washing their hands. They found fault. They found fault. Here's the principle. You can never please religion. Religion will always find fault in order to control you, in order to manipulate you. But God never uses stuff like that. You see, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. God knows you. He knows you're going to fail. He knows I'm going to fail. He knows I'm a human. He knows that I have a sin nature. And he made provision for that with the problem-solving devices. I don't have a resurrection body yet. I'm still in human form. But I can live as though I'm resurrected by using the same problem-solving devices that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ used. Now, our Lord never sinned. He didn't have that problem because he did not have a genetically formed sin nature. That's why he was born of a virgin, no man. But I had a man. I had a father, so I have a a sin nature. It's always passed down through the male, the sin nature. For by one man, sin came into the world, and death by sin, and now death has passed on all, for all have sinned and come under short of the glory of God. For by one man, that's Adam, and here I am, a descendant of Adam. Yes, I have a sin nature, but I also have a provision to handle that in Christ. I have a provision called the filling of the Holy Spirit, problem-solving device number two. I do not have to let my sin nature control my life. I can live under the filling of the Holy Spirit. I can have objective optimism and great happiness the same sort of attitude that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had. But not religion. Religion is never happy. Religion is always trying to manipulate you, always trying to put a guilt trip on you so they can control you, sometimes so they can get you to fork up more money or sometimes so they can get you to observe the traditions of men, which they themselves loftily with their nose up in the air, appear to observe. Yes, they're holy, aren't they? They talk holy. They walk holy. They act holy. Until you get around them in private. Listen, nobody's holy. We're all sinners. The holiness that we're seeking is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The holiness that we're seeking is to replicate the lifestyle of Jesus Christ by what we think That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Holiness is not demonstrated by what you wear or how you talk or how you act or how you walk. That's what religion does. They want the world to see how holy they are. And thus they demonstrate their holiness in public. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. They were very vain and very proud men. Vanity is the self-admiration and excessive desire to be admired by others. Hence, vanity is easily flattered and easily patronized. And pride, 
Well, this is some lofty, arrogant assumption that you're superior to other people. This is what religion has. This is what these Pharisees and scribes, this is the attitude that they had. They had an unrealistic self-image. They admired themselves. And they had an excessive desire to be admired by others as they prayed loudly in public or they gave money in public, all for the fact of being noticed. And they were very arrogant. And they assumed superiority by finding fault with other people. There's a monkey in Africa called the proboscis monkey. He has a very long nose. He's absurd looking. And that's the way religion is. It's absurd. Sticking its nose into your business. No preacher has the right to stick his nose into your business. And yet that happens every day. And the only reason it happens is because you let it happen. Because you haven't come to the place where you're willing to follow Jesus Christ and walk away from that organized religion. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty three twenty nine, a person's arrogance will bring him low, but a lifestyle of humility will obtain honor. A lifestyle of humility will attain honor. That's where it starts. Humility is teachability. Humility is us yielding to the will of the Father. It's not following the traditions of men. These Pharisees were rudely reminded of their unrealistic self-image. In Mark seven thirteen. here's what our Lord said to them. He said, you have made the word of God no effect through your traditions, which you have delivered, and many other such things that you do. In other words, Jesus, our Lord, referred them back to a prophesy a prophecy given in the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to go back over to it and I'm going to read it to you. This came hundreds of years before in Isaiah, coming out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 13. For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. You hear that? Their respect or fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. You have a choice to make. You can either follow the doctrine and the mandates of men who will place unrealistic expectations on you and judge you when you fail those expectations, or you can follow the mandates of God given in the Bible, which starts with grace and forgiveness and love. That's the lifestyle that God wants you to have. The Bible clearly says, don't judge other people, Matthew 7, because with whatever judgment you judge, it'll be measured back to you again. And yet, here are the Pharisees finding fault. Jesus said in Mark 7, verse 6, he said the words I just read to you from Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. He answered and said unto them, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites many years ago. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. 
In vain you worship me, because you teach for doctrines of God the mandates of men. And this is a real problem. What does God say, and what does man say? You see, organized religion will tell you things like, you know, brother, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't smoke a cigarette. Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say don't smoke. The Bible says don't harm your body. Eating three chickens for lunch may be more harmful than smoking a cigarette. And then religion may say, you know, brother, you shouldn't drink that. That's a sin. Well, the Bible says drunkenness is a sin. But it doesn't say drinking a glass of wine is a sin. But if you have religion, religion begins to impose on you rules and regulations so that you will appear to have some sort of spiritual facade. Oh, spare the person who is having a glass of wine when the preacher comes to visit. Or, oh, spare the person who's telling a funny joke when the preacher overheard him. Why is it you feel like you have to act different around a preacher? You say, well, because I respect him. Well, that's good. I'm glad you do. But he's a human just like you. He's a human. He has a sin nature. The only difference is he has a spiritual gift, a communication gift. And his job is to study and teach the Bible, study and teach the Word of God, shepherd his flock, keep the wolves out, and teach you the Word of God. Not browbeat you. Not tell you that you can't go to heaven if you eat certain things or drink certain things. Not impose rules and rituals and regulations on you that they themselves can't live up to. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They couldn't fulfill all these traditions of the elders. They couldn't. But they sure walked around, acted like they did. And that's why our Lord called them publicly to their face. Hypocrites. Liars. Phonies. Fakes. And that's exactly what religion produces. Now, sometimes Christians can do the same thing. I agree. But the real Christian life that we're talking about, the life in Christ, it's not like that. It is a life of grace and forgiveness. It's a life of honor and humility. The royal family honor code that I could teach you is the most phenomenal way to live in the world. And God has set it up. God has ordained it. And God has given it to us. We are his children. We are his people through faith alone, in Christ alone. We're not under some legalistic, religious ball and chain that says you can't ever have any fun unless you uh, go bowling. I don't even like to bowl. I mean, that's a joke. You understand that. But there are a lot of things you can do to have fun but not according to organized religion. They want to manipulate you and control you. But God, through Christ in grace, has set you free from that legalism. Don't get caught up in it. Enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ, and you will find a life worth living and a life that will attract others as well because they'll see Christ in you, maybe for the first time. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for being with me on the Flightline. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.